Well, good morning, sunshine. Good morning, Vietnam. I'm oh, that kidding. was good. I'm just kidding. It was not even, that wasn't singing. That <laughs> I was have just... been waiting for you to actually do that since the beginning, because that's what I always think of when you say good morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Such a good thank movie. you to the late, great Robin Williams for that beautiful moment. <laughs> yes. Good morning, Vietnam. We're brought to you by Robin Williams. Exactly. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Oh my gosh. So I've been doing some great, we've been working on a wonderful project that, you know, we can't talk about, but we're very excited. You and I with Four Corners yes. have been working on a great project and getting that sold out here in Los Angeles. So we're doing in that situation. And then also I just signed with a new agency for my cruise ship bookings. And I am now fully booked until the end of the year, which I'm very excited about. I get to go on a little mini tour from now until the end of December. So I'm feeling great because, you know, daddy needs money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and if any of y'all are thinking about going on a cruise, you should probably, you know, make sure Todd will be on there yeah, so that can you entertain can the masses. Him perform. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so happy for you. It's so exciting. Thank you. I'm very excited about that. I've like four self tapes this weekend for different shows and voiceover stuff. So yeah, I'm trying to revel in this new, you know, the industry's finally starting to pick back up. And since COVID, yeah. I'm just reminded like, oh, yeah, this is what I used to do all the time. This is great. Awesome. And yeah, what about you? Yeah, what are yeah. you up to? Well, I mean, kind of speaking of revving back up into things as we at the beer garden, we have our Oktoberfest today. So I'm immediately leaving this podcast and putting my leader host. And those of you and not in Charleston, the Beer Garden is a wonderful restaurant bar that, Laura, it's huge and amazing. It's in Charleston, South Carolina that Laura owns and operates. And it's just such a great time. And there's a wonderful like Instagram thing outside that you can come and take pictures at. And it says, Prost, y'all. That's, a, just, that's our tagline. I love also it. Bavarian inspired. I love it so much. Yeah. No, so, sorry, continue. I just wanted people to know. That no, thank you. Thank you for that promo. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're it. welcome. <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually the MC for our Stein hoisting competition, which is where people basically have to compete to hold a Stein full of beer out as long as they can. And it's a lot harder than you think it is. Oh so, and it gets pretty crazy as far as. Sure, it's competitive. It's very competitive. They're kind of scary. Like the women's heat is the scariest of them all because they're just like, nah that lady did not have it as straight as me. And you're just like, please move on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. To go drink the beer you just got. That's great. Excuse me, ma'am. Do you have unresolved trauma? <laughs> yeah. Like do you have any trauma you need to deal with? Let's go over here. This is just a game. <laughs> so yeah, actually speaking of, you know, this kind of speaks to our guests that we have on today, but I've also been diving a lot into doing some kind of energy work, like reflexology and some Reiki and things like that, because I have had kind of a host of muscular issues going on, which is not really new to me, but with all the dancing I've done, been doing that I continue to do, it's been extremely helpful Great. and healing and awesome. So I think that kind of leads into our guest today who is amazing. And we both had a delightful time talking to him. I'm really excited for y'all to hear everything from her. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little bit about her. So our guest today is Ashley Torrent. She is a psycho-spiritual therapist, intuitive medium, and spiritual teacher. She sees both individuals and couples, offers intuitive readings, teaches classes in spiritual mediumship, and is the co-host of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast, which aims to ground spirituality and explore personal transformation. Ashley believes that as spiritual beings, we are all mediums, channels, and energy healers, but we have forgotten our true nature and how to use these innate gifts. She also believes based on her personal and clinical experience that true healing occurs when we weave together psychological understanding and spiritual practice. 
So without further ado, Ashley Torrent. Well, good morning, Ashley. Good morning. Welcome. We're so excited. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, we're just absolutely thrilled to have you here. We were, before we got on, talking about how excited we are because, you know, this is something, a topic we've never really investigated before and also just very interested in all the things that you do. So I think we should just get like right into it. Essentially, if you wouldn't mind, Ashley, could you give us a little background about where you're from, how you kind of made your way to Charleston and what you do professionally. Okay. I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I left there when I was 18 very quickly, happily. (laughs) And somehow I eventually made my way to New York City where I met my husband and I went to school to be a psychospiritual therapist. And then we had two children and we decided it was enough in the city with two kids and we wanted to move. I wanted to move back down south where it was warmer and be in a beach town. So we chose Charleston. So I really believe that for true healing to happen, we need psychological understanding. Like we gather the pieces of the puzzle, what happened to us. But if we're not careful, we can get stuck in the suffering if it doesn't have any meaning, right? Like I think about the things that have happened to me and if they don't have any meaning or purpose, then what's the point? So the important part of spirituality comes in and it gives meaning and purpose to our suffering. It talks about why we're here, the purpose of our soul. I really believe that the human is the vehicle through which the soul evolves. So it's not what this life isn't really about this human life. It's about how we can support our soul's evolution for its highest healing. I know that's a big concept, but in my typical sessions, I don't necessarily bring spirituality into a session unless the person's curious, but I hold it with intention. But what I find is until someone decides what they believe spiritually about whether this is one life and done or they believe that there's karma or many lifetimes and why we're here. I think that's important. I think we need to ask those questions because this life is hard. This life is hard. And again, if there's no purpose, then <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are we all here for? <laughs> what are we doing? You know, someone said to me the other day that they grew up and their family just believed like you go to school, you get the job, you get the kids, you get the relationship, you get the house, the mortgage, the bills, and then you're done. And I just thought, oh. wow. Like that just like, it made me feel like I was suffocating. So, (laughs) so sad. It just felt really sad because there's no, there's no richness to that. There's no fullness. There's no evolution really, except financial evolution. And that just sounded like you're carrying dead weight. So in a session, it's basically about the human's healing, the trauma, what the person has been through, understanding their story, how they can be the most the highest version of themselves, the most content version of themselves, the most healed version of themselves. And when spirituality is ready, we'll introduce it and just see where that person wants to go with it. But I don't push anything on them. My intuition is always a part of the process and always has been as far as guiding what questions I ask and how I support them. But unless I know that they're more spiritually inclined, I don't bring the mediumship aspect into it. If someone's lost a parent or a family member, then sometimes I will if I feel like they're interested. But that I usually keep that separate. Is that what you mean when you say you hold it with intention? Right. The spiritual piece? Yes. Yeah. I just hold it as a container. Like when they're ready, it's like this energy of when you're ready, this is here for you. But I don't have an agenda. Like I can't have an agenda with people, right? (laughs) Goosebumps everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So I just am ready when the human wants it. And when I say human, that sounds so weird. I don't mean to sound so separate, but the personality self. 
the one that's moving through the world, the one that's like really dealing with their trauma and their story and what hurts them and their ego. That's what I mean. When that human decides, I need to know what's more here because I'm not fulfilled, then that's when spirituality can really help and support it. But I just think you can't do one or the other. You have to have both. Yeah. So is that, I guess we're kind of wondering what kind of drew you to this, like this whole concept of, of giving it even into therapy at all, but also the psycho-spiritual aspect of it? Like, was it just that, have you always felt drawn to that? Or is that something that came with no, it? No, <laughs> it came to me, honestly. And this is, this is where I think the world becomes a magical place. If you're looking at it from why we're here, what is here for us, if we're willing to choose it. I was in therapy dealing with so much of my trauma. All I knew is I wanted to help people. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to go to medical school. I wanted to join the Peace Corps. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was a waitress at the time in New York City. And I was seeing this therapist. And one day she was like, what are you going to do with your life? I was like, I don't know. And she handed me a brochure and it was for psycho-spiritual counseling. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I opened it up and there were classes on clinical psychology, Jungian psychology, like all the Western basics. But then there was shamanism, Buddhist psychology, intuition, energy work, hypnosis. I didn't even know what half of it was, but I was my body. Like I started crying. I was like, yes. <laughs> so I signed up. Wow. Yeah. It just felt like it just fell in my lap. And then I was just like, yes, I couldn't say no. And that's where I think like, we're not alone in this. Like there's things helping us out if we're paying attention. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that even I told you how I kind of got on this path to getting into reflexology. And I'm basically a shout out to Healing Oasis in West Ashley. I'm obsessed. But every time just walking in there, the vibe, just the energy, if you will, in the air is so calming. And so I think even somebody that maybe isn't as tapped into it as you are, I think most people can't deny that when you go into like a calming place, like a spa or whatever, there is some kind of thing that overtakes you a little bit that brings you to a, a lower vibration, if you will, I guess, of calmness. So to kind of have that training and everything go into it. Like I, I could see how that would be really, I don't know, just wonderful. Like I love how you call it like the magic in the mundane because there is like a magic in the air that you obviously have a really good gift at tapping into. So that's amazing. Well, again, it came to me like all of this. I just feel like it was put in front of my path. It wasn't like I was seeking it consciously. And so I feel really grateful, but it makes life so much easier and so much richer if we can take what's in front of us. So, and what you're feeling in that healing oasis, I took a class there and then you can feel it. It smells so good. Oh my God, it does smell so good. <laughs> the body uh. relaxes, yeah. Well, you know, Ashley, you also have clinics and healing sessions with horses and called, how do I say this? Equine spiritual healing? Yeah, equine assisted spiritual healing or intuitive healing. I'm just kind of starting that out, yeah. How did you discover the connection between horses and healing and how these sessions uh, work exactly? Oh, wow. <laughs> so in the middle of COVID, the first year, that was the year I came out as a medium, like full time. I'd been like studying and practicing and then I came out and then I also some things in my life changed so that I could take on more clients. So COVID hit and my practice tripled. I was a medium. Of course. Yeah, right. I, know. I can only imagine. <laughs> It was really nuts. But in the middle of that summer, I was really dealing with some difficult listening to some challenging material coming from my clients that was triggering some of my trauma, like I was getting supervision. But it was almost as if my body was like, whatever hasn't been ready to be healed, it just rose. And I remember one day I saw a picture of a horse online and I 
I just got this feeling of, I need that. And I don't know why, but I need that. So I started Googling and my friends were like, go on a trail ride. I'm like, no, that's not it. They were like, go do this, go do this. And all I could hear my intuition saying is I want an intimate experience of horses. I want to know everything about them. I want to get as close to them as I can. So I started Googling and I thought I was going to try to volunteer, but I found leaps in South Carolina. They do trauma for people with PTSD, for vets, for firefighters, policemen, all the kind of stuff. Beautiful organization. And I called and I got on the phone with the therapist and I thought I was going to say, hey, can I volunteer? And I was like, I need help. And I already have a therapist. So I didn't yeah. think I needed two therapists. But I heard her voice and I went out and saw her and I spent an hour with her and it was beautiful. I mean, the horses, I was scared to death at first, but I just knew I needed more. And then I stumbled upon this other woman who on John's Island, who just taught me everything she could about horses for the past two years. And it's been an incredible experience. But the interesting thing about horses is their heart energy it's like 30 times more powerful than ours. Like if our heart energy can reach eight feet, I think theirs is like 30 to 40 feet. And when I say heart energy, it's like when you, when you come upon a person and you can feel their energy, it's there's something they're putting out from their heart and horses have this powerful energy. And also because they're prey animals, they're always living in a state of regulation. So when you're around them, it's almost as if you have to get in regulation too, because their energy is so powerful. Like they can't live in a state of anxiety, even though they're prey animals because they have to conserve energy. So if a predator came, they have to be able to take off and protect themselves. So that's one of the reasons they graze is they're always regulating their nervous systems, which is really wonderful if you have a lot of trauma and you go spend time with these beautiful animals who a lot of them have been traumatized, but they're always living like on the run, you know, except for the domesticated ones. So I spent this time with them for two years. I went there like three or four days a week, spending hours with them. And in the process, some of the horses would sit with me and I would just grieve. I would grieve and grieve. I would have some of the deepest cries of my life with these horses just standing next to me. I mean, it makes me emotional. And in the process, I could feel them grieving too. There were some that were had some trauma that was unhealed. And then I also learned that they were communicating to me in intuitive language, communicating with me intuitively, sending me energetic impressions in my body and my heart. And I was like, wow, I mean, this is, <laughs> I don't know if you were thinking we were going to go down this, but. No, I was hoping we would go down this. <laughs> it's been so powerful. I remember one day I was grooming this horse and she was really uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out what she was trying to tell me. And then all of a sudden she was like, no. And it was like a lightning bolt in my heart. And I, I knew I was like, you're communicating with me in the way I read other people. And then I understand that the universe communicates this way through this intuitive language and we don't really understand it. So that's how I got involved with horses. And I just love them so much. That is amazing. I'm gagged I mean, right now. I, I'm <laughs> no. What? But I am amazed because, and, and it makes so much sense if you think about it, because whenever you go to ride a horse, I've definitely had some experience with that and, and love riding horses to this day. But it's, people always say like, you know, make yourself calm. They can sense when you're kind of feeling anxious or scared or any of that. And it's like, well, even the most unspiritual people in the world will say that about a horse as far yeah, as like, you, you know, that it. they can kind of sense it. So of course it would make sense that they would have that kind of feeling. It's just so crazy that they have that heart energy that can be felt. What kind of, I want to say like disorders, but what kind of things do you like treat people with? What kind of ailments? Is it like depression, anxiety? How do people kind of heal from this? All of it. I mean, it helped me. The other thing I want to say is interesting is Horses don't often get a voice. 
right? They don't get a choice and opinion and they're really empathic beings. And when we don't give them a choice, they feel it and they have to shut down and dissociate. And so one of the reasons I got into this also is because I saw one of these horses was dissociating. And I was like, I don't want to be with you if you can't have a voice because I didn't have a voice growing up. And I was like, I'm not going to do to you what was done to me. And so we created this really beautiful bond, but through that. So what can be healed is, I mean, for me, witnessing their herd dynamics, witnessing their boundaries, witnessing the way they take care of each other, it modeled for me this healthy family dynamics. Like you get to have a voice. No means no now, but it doesn't mean forever. Like I can tell you, stay away from my food. And it doesn't mean I hate you. <laughs> you know, you're still a part of my family. I mean, it's just watching them interact blew my mind. And I'd never seen that kind of family dynamic modeled at all. And so just being in their presence, what you find is they can't handle bullshit. So if you come with lies or you're pretending you're okay and you're not, it's like their energy tears down that wall, especially if you're willing. And so you become the most vulnerable version of yourself. And in that space around them, what isn't healed starts to rise if that's your intention to heal, right? So, I mean, some of my deepest trauma work has been done with those animals. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. Well, kind of speaking of, you said that you had your own trauma that you've had to work through. And I obviously, you know, you help so many other people in their healing. And, and I think this is very on brand, if you will, for our podcast that is all about, you know, trying to heal from trauma, whether that's you've overcome it in your own mind or you're still working on it. But could you tell us a little bit about your childhood and the the trauma that you experienced and what steps you've kind of personally taken to heal from your traumatic past? Oh, yeah. So I was born to, I would say, severely mentally ill parent, borderline personality disorder, but on the psychopath end of the spectrum and into a family that didn't protect me, was in denial. And growing up with someone who is like that, you're brainwashed to believe their reality. You're brainwashed to doubt yourself. You know, I, I feel like I came out of the 26 years of being in relationship to that person who was physically, emotionally, and psychologically abusive. And you don't know what is what, you know, it would be like, if I said the sky was blue and she said it was pink, I would believe it was pink. You know, I grew up even thinking, I wore a different size clothes. I didn't recognize my body. I didn't really know who I was. Like I grew up thinking I was a monster and shameful and just a disgusting, bad person. And it really fucks with you to have someone talk to you like that and manipulate and use you to their benefit, use you to maybe make themselves look better or use you to destroy other people and other relationships, that kind of thing. So I was really dissociated as a kid. And I think I was, I was really dissociated until, gosh, even when Lair met me, I was pretty dissociated. I met him at 26. I ended my relationship with my mother around that time. And I just started therapy. But one of the things that that therapist who gave me the brochure, one of the things she said to me, I think we might've touched on this in our conversation, but in my first session with her, I was telling her all the things that happened to me. And I'd never really had my experience validated. You know, I'd never really had someone say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Most people say, oh, mothers and daughters, family is family. People, you know, they don't always get along, but blood is blood. All that BS that just doesn't help or support anyone. And this therapist looked at me after I unpacked my story and she said, I like to imagine there's a sign on that wall that says they did the best they knew how to do. And I just felt so re-traumatized by that moment. And I didn't even realize it in a sense. I just kept going back, but I was so uncomfortable and I would get depressed going to see that therapist. And Lara came to a session and he heard her say that. And he was like, really? That's what you're going to tell her? And afterwards, he's like, you need a new therapist. <laughs> 
So that was my first entry into therapy. I got introduced to the school and then I started healing through the school and I also got a new therapist, but that's where it all started. Okay. So, wow. So you ended your relationship with your mother at 26 years old. Yeah. And you have not had any contact since. She's tried, but I haven't picked up the phone or answered an email in 22 years. And do you feel, so it's almost like, well, you're like, you just put up the ultimate, like, I'm going to protect myself moving forward in my life. It's like a boundary for you. Yeah. You can't engage with someone like that. If you engage, then it's like a spark and they're in any sort of, I mean, and then what's sad is that means you don't get a voice. You don't get to say, this is how you hurt me. I've never said, these are the ways you've hurt me. I've never been able to say anything because first of all, it wouldn't be heard. But second of all, it just would ignite another conversation. Well, it sounds like you're talking a little bit about some personality disorder stuff. And can you explain about a personality disorder for our guests and how obviously that that affected you within the relationship with your mother? Yeah. Well, there are different types of personality disorder. I mean, narcissistic personality disorder is very similar to borderline. I bet it, And I want to honor that labels are helpful for validation and diagnosis, but sometimes labels get overused. So I want to be really mindful for people to understand that we're not casually just talking about this. Like we're talking about a mental disorder that's very challenging to live with for the person who has it, but also for those around them. Someone with borderline personality disorder on the end of my mother's spectrum is very volatile, can be physically abusive, emotionally abusive, and psychologically abusive. Their reality is their reality, and they create their reality constantly to fit whatever serves them. Underneath that is really deep wounding. Is I like to think of it as it's someone that it's as if their nervous system is completely exposed to the world and everything that comes across it touches it and ignites like feelings, anger, sadness, shame. But what happens is instead of being able to attend to those feelings, the person does whatever they can to soothe them. Someone who's not getting help, someone who's not taking care of themselves or getting help. They do whatever they can in their outside world. They become addicted to things, shopping, money, sex, drugs, alcohol, relationships, drama. And there's this constant cycle where they never really get to tend to what's going on in their heart or what trauma they have. It's a big abandonment wound. That's the abandonment wound creates this often. And sometimes it's genetic. Oh, and how did it shape me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it almost destroyed me. I had suicidal ideation. There was one day in, in particular, I just really, I thought and intentionally thought about killing myself. It was my love for my husband that I was, I couldn't do that. But it just set me up to just every morning I woke up in the darkest space. Like I didn't know there was any light. Like I really thought I was a worthless, valueless person, unlovable. And then the relationships with my father and other family members didn't, set it up or mirror back anything good. There was no mirror of you're a really good person. We're so sorry this happened to you. It's pretty much like if if you don't protect us or make us feel better about everything that's going on, then you're worthless to us. Oh my God. So I just said peace out to all of them. Well, wow. yeah, I mean, it's, we, we talked about this the other day, Ashley, is just kind of the, I won't say like taboo, but the, like some people have that response of like, oh, you can't cut off family. Like they're blood, they're everything. But there's an actual kind of danger And keeping yourself in that situation just for what everybody else's perspectives are about it or to appease or or hope that they'll change. So do you feel like that cutting off your whole family has been healing for you? And do you think it's kind of something that some other people should consider doing in their own lives? I mean, it's so personal, but it's the best thing I ever did. I don't think I would have stayed alive. I think I would have ended it. And I don't think, well, first of all, I couldn't have been in the relationship with my husband and been in relationship to them because they were so 
on opposite ends of one, not really love the family love, which was not love was just shaming and cruel and misogynistic, racist, homophobic. It was just disgusting. You know, it was just all about like fear and religion and things like that. And then there's this love I have for my husband, which sees me as this really beautiful being inside and out. And I honestly think, you know, people say, if you don't know how to love yourself, you can't love. No, Lair taught me how to love myself. Lair loved me in the ugliest version of me. And then, I mean, I think in so many ways he saved my life. And so I wouldn't have made it without leaving them. And he wouldn't have, he couldn't have made it if I was still in a relationship to them. He would have been like, no. Actually, are they in denial? Is it denial that the mental illness is going on? Are they in denial or they just don't have the capacity to understand this is a bigger picture here? that we're all contributing to this shameful environment. Well, they're all scared of her. And so depending on the day, I remember one day I caught my dad in his truest moment and I was on the phone with him. I was in New York city. I'd ended my relationship with Herb and he would feed her information. And I was like, you just keep doing this to protect yourself. You keep throwing me under the bus and telling her where I am and how to get in touch with me. What's going on with me. And he was like, yeah, because he doesn't want to deal with her. So if he told her where I was, then she would call him up. And after they were divorced, call him up and rage on him and show up at his office and all kinds of things. I mean, she was the kind of person that would leave disgusting messages on your answering machine. Back when we had answering machines, she would terrorize you. So everyone was scared of her and didn't want to deal with her. So I would be sacrificed. Well, I'm just going to let you know where Ashley is and what she's doing because that's easier for me. But then in two years later, another like email I still have, it's there's nothing to be scared of. And I'm like, this is a woman who could choke you if she just felt like it. My brother left the relationship, but he's still in relationship with my dad, which is very confusing to me. So we don't have a relationship. It's just all so complicated. It's yeah. just, it's just icky. It gets icky, these family dynamics. But if someone's not willing to take responsibility or stand in their truth, I'm done. Like if any of them said, hey, it must have been really hard. Let's work on this. I'd love to hear your side of the story. Let me take responsibility for my part. The door would open. I mean, that takes not with my mother, but with my father and my brother. But if someone's just continues to say that's not true or that's not so bad or that didn't happen, I can't. And you've said that to them. You've communicated that to them. Like if you were to say these things, we could have a conversation. I didn't say that, but I did try. I did talk about how I felt and I got the same response over and over again. And then I said, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's, you can sit there and try to, I don't know, almost fix them or pull them to the other side. And doesn't work. I think that that's what, you know, you're kind of getting at Todd is it's, I don't think that there's no capacity for it. No, if you're going to deny she's a monster, then we don't really have a conversation. Wow. And I know she's a person, but the way she acts is monstrous. Then yes. what are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. And there's a certain point that if they're still in that toxic cycle, like, you know, you have to get yourself out of the whole thing. It's not just cutting her out. I mean, you got to cut out the, as they say, sometimes with narcissists, the flying monkeys, if you will, they're kind of still stuck in their orbit. And I think it's important to tell people or let people know that it's, there's nothing wrong with going no contact and recognizing, yeah, the worth in yourself and that you're not going to get that closure that you want with people like that. No. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Like when you go no contact with somebody that it is, sometimes it is the only option because if you do engage with that person, you're never going to be heard. Like you said, you're never going to be validated. You're never going to be understood. And so I think people listening would love to, because maybe they're nervous or they have cut someone off and they don't 
know if that decision is right for them, even though they know their mind knows yeah. it's right, but their heart doesn't know well, it's the right. Culture says it's not right. I mean, every time you engage, it's re-traumatizing. So every time someone says that didn't happen or it's not as bad as you think, or you're too sensitive, then that little girl in me is rewounded. And I have to fight for her. I have to be an advocate for her, for her well-being, my mental health, my emotional health. And I really do believe, like, on a spiritual level, they brought me into this world. That's it. That's all they were here for. They're on their own journey. I'm on my own journey. I cannot see them in my life right now as any part of it just because I don't believe that we were meant to ride this out together. That's just not who we are. We're too different. And I just don't... If someone abuses you or disrespects you in this way, then they've lost any rights to you. If they can't take ownership of it or see it or try to make amends or change, then for me, I'm just like, you're done. You're done. Because we we didn't come here to be like victims of other people's abuse. I think we come to be the highest version of ourselves and the most evolved version of ourselves. And whatever you believe in, I don't think we're supposed to be underneath someone else's boot being stepped on and treated that way. And what kind of message are we sending to, like for me and my kids, if I am not the highest version of myself and I don't move through love? And that's not a loving relationship. That's cruel. It's terrible. And it's, it's just snow. Yeah, I just think it, that's really what I, I wish I could kind of make that a poster and put it in my <laughs> therapy room for people yeah. of like, there's nothing that says that you have to keep putting yourself through something like that just because society says that, that you should, or that because no. somebody's your mother or because you've made vows or because you lose that access to me and my heart and my soul and everything because I'm trying to better myself. And I'm sorry that you're stuck in this place where you can't even see how to better yourself or even get out of your own inflicted trauma. Basically, if you try to save a drowning person, they're going to take you down with them. And yeah. so that's something that we, it's very passionate. I'm passionate about bringing awareness to, and I think it's helpful for everybody to kind of understand that you're really just subjecting yourself to something that you're beating your head against a wall, essentially, when you're dealing with people yeah. like that. You're enabling them. Like, I don't believe we're supposed to sacrifice our well-being to make other people comfortable. This isn't modeling what we're here to do. So if I stay in a toxic, I love, I read this in Conversations with God once by Neil Donald Walsh. And I'm probably going to butcher it. But basically he was saying, if you stay in an abusive relationship on a spiritual level, you're doing that person a disservice because you're allowing them to abuse you. You're engaging in a toxic dynamic that says it's okay for you to act like this. And that's not saying me saying you're better than this. And I won't do this. Like I can have you in my heart, as Stephen Levine says, but I can't have you in my house. And separating from them actually allowed me to come to a place of compassion. Like I have a lot of compassion for them. And they're wounding, but I won't let it inflict pain on me. Yeah, it's not your responsibility. Well, to kind of pivot a little bit back to, we know that in addition to your psycho-spiritual counseling, you're also a medium, an intuitive medium with psychic abilities. So I kind of like to know several things about that. One, kind of what is the difference between psychic and being a medium? Kind of how and when you discovered you had these abilities and how do you use them to help others? Okay. I'm writing them down. Just so okay. I, <laughs> I told you, I can keep, I'll keep referencing. I mean, don't worry. I won't let you forget. <laughs> so, okay. Mediumship. The thing I've discovered in being a medium, the difference between the two. So mediumship is connecting to the other side, to those who have passed. Psychic ability is basically our ability to be intuitive. It's our ability to read soul to soul. So when I'm doing a psychic reading, I can connect my soul to the soul of another person. When I do mediumship, I'm connecting my soul to someone who has passed. 
Now, for years, mediums have been saying all mediums are psychic, not all psychics are mediums. But in my work, I've discovered I think that's a bunch of BS. I think it creates this elitist mentality that people have more special gifts than others. Now, do I think mediumship comes more naturally to other people? Yes, it's like someone's more inclined to play the piano or the guitar or have a singing voice. But can we learn those skills? Absolutely. Because this is what I've also learned if I believe we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so those qualities of empathy, sensitivity that I use to be a psychic medium, everyone has. We all have these gifts, but we don't know it or we're overwhelmed by them. And a lot of people who grew up in traumatic environments or in traumatic situations, their intuition or their empathy is heightened. So it comes much more easier to them. The problem is they use it to survive in their situation, but as they move out into the world and got out of that, maybe from a child who grew up in an environment where they had to use their intuition to read the energy in the room or to know what was going to happen next, they grow up as an adult and they're so open with their empathy and sensitivity that they're bombarded by the energy of other people and situations. They don't know how to hone that and use it. So again, are these people more predisposed to this? Probably, but it's not that no one else has it. I think we all have it and we can use it for different things. Like I think people in business, if they were using their intuition to make business decisions, we can do intuitive eating. We can do in intuitive things with our body, intuitive parenting, intuitive anything, right? So to me, there really is no difference. How did I find out I was a medium? My friend, when I moved here, I have a good friend, Caroline. She was fascinated by mediums. She was going to see John Edwards. She was reading every book by mediums at the time. And then she would hand me books. She goes, you're a medium. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not a medium. It's like, I'm not a John Edwards. I don't see spirits. I don't see that. She's like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And she probably dumped 15 books on my doorstep. And I would just send them to Goodwill. I didn't even read them. But then one book by Laurelyn Jackson, a psychic medium from Long Island. She wrote a beautiful book called The Light Between Us. And she really discussed how beautiful the other side is, that it's a place of love. And she discussed what happens when we pass. She also talked about readings she'd done for parents who had lost children. And I was a spiritual person at the time, but I really didn't know what I believed. I didn't really know. I grew up a Christian, fundamental Christian. I didn't believe in that God anymore. I didn't believe in heaven and hell. None of that made sense to me. But I think the reason I couldn't be a medium is because I didn't know what it all was or why. Like, why are children dying? What happens when we pass? Like, what is all this? And she broke it down in a way that I was like, that makes so much sense to me. And then as I was reading the book, I had memories of offering Reiki to a friend about eight to 10 years prior and spirits had come through and I'd seen them. I'm sorry to interrupt. Can you briefly yes. explain to people what Reiki is? Oh yeah. It's a Japanese form of energy work. I now do a form of intuitive energy healing, but I used to do Reiki. It's more formal. There's a lot of signs and symbols that go with it. It's very ritualistic, but basically you're channeling spirit energy through your hands onto another person to support their healing, support their human energy, their spiritual, emotional, physical healing. So I was practicing that, offering it to a friend. And when you're in that space, your intuition is very open. Your energy is very open. And all of a sudden I saw an ancestor of hers and a woman who had passed and I described them and she knew who they were. And then I just, I didn't think anything of it. I'm not really sure how. I think I was in the middle. I had a baby at the time. He was really struggling and I just think, oh, cool. And then I was done. And so I feel like spirit, the universe, whatever used the other side, used my friend Caroline to wake me up. And then after that, I took some classes from a local medium, Carol Cottrell, and it just came much easier to me. Once I got over my fear and doubt that I couldn't do it, then it started coming a lot easier to me. Wow. So 
Yeah. So how do you use that ability now to help others with their trauma? So, and I will say, just so y'all know, when I talk about the other side, I don't see them like I see people in front of me. I see them like your imagination, a picture in the back of your mind, your mind's eye is what they call it. I feel their energy. I feel their qualities. I see what they look like, how old they are. And it's never scary. It always feels very loving. But there are people who have lost relatives and friends, children, and they really miss them or the relationship wasn't a healthy one or some people feel like the person who died is mad at them for something they did. I mean, it's all kinds of things. It could be, you know, all these human experiences, you lose someone one day and then you wonder and you have all these questions. So when I connect to someone on the other side, they'll come through and they'll share memories. They often take responsibility for the things they did wrong. I've had addicts come through and apologize for the way they handled their life and their pain. I've had parents come through and, and take responsibility. I've had little kids come through and let their moms know that they're okay partners, friends, people who've committed suicide come through. And, you know, I think that's such a powerful one because we judge that so harshly when someone takes their life. I think it's so personal. I don't know what that soul is dealing with. I don't know what their contract is. I don't know what it's like to be in that person's body, but I've known my own pain. And if someone is that dark inside that they do that, then I personally just think you were doing, I guess, the best you could do at that time. And they'll come through and they'll let us know that they're okay, that they're free of that, that they're liberated. It's just really powerful. So when they cross, they can basically see everything clearer and a more like yeah. positive. Well, they're without ego. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So the souls have no ego. So they have memories of lifetimes, but they don't have that personality. They're not coming through with the same ego stuff. They shed their ego. Their soul energy goes to the other side. I think, again, I don't know anything for sure till I pass, but... I think they get like a review. They're evolving on the other side. They're learning from us. And yeah, it's pretty powerful. It's it's pretty mind-blowing. I was listening to your podcast earlier today, and you did kind of mention the fact that you were doing a reading with, with a woman who had a son who was paraplegic in this life, and then you saw him come through. Can you kind of explain what that experience was like? Oh, yeah, that was, it was one of my favorites. And I want to say when you connect to the other side, I feel them, the more open my heart is, the greater I feel them. So some days it's so beautiful when you feel that love. It's so abundant that it brings tears to your eyes. And some days it's just, it feels like love, but I can always tell how open I am to how much I let them in. And that was an incredible day. I was reading for a woman. I had no idea she was a parent. And this little boy came through with these little white shoes and little white socks. And that was the most identifying characteristic. But in spirit, he was skateboarding and flying over mountains. And it was like the most magical world he showed me. He was running. And I just said, there's this little boy in spirit with these little white shoes and little white socks, but he is so active and happy. And she just started crying. And then she told me, she goes, he was paraplegic. So the only thing I would buy him were little white shoes and little white socks because he never used them. And then he didn't have like any really, he just didn't use his shoes or socks. They were like these basic white shoes and white socks. So that was like evidence of who he was. And then she also said, oh, he's telling me because he couldn't move that he's okay in spirit. And that was the first time she'd known that he was okay. And she was just crying. It was just really lovely. 
That's beautiful. I'm just like <laughs> all the goosebumps. Can you tell our listeners just really quick um, the name of your podcast? Oh, yeah. The Blue Butterfly Fight Podcast. And subscribing today. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe today while Todd does it at the same time. If you like spirituality talk, we're right there. 100%. 100%. Ashley, you, you mentioned that one of your biggest struggles has been about finding your own voice within the past year. And can you elaborate more on that and how you've come to terms with your newly found voice? Yeah. So something I've been thinking a lot about is, do you know when you've gone through maybe a lesson in life and you've grown and you didn't know what was happening or why, but you've gotten to the other side of it and you were like, I understand why that happened. And I really do believe that most things in our life are here to help us evolve, to become a better version of ourselves. Even all the shit I went through back as a kid, I really believe that that was here to allow me to hold space for other people in their darkest moments, made me more resilient. I'm so grateful for it now. So the reason I say this is so so many times in my life, I didn't understand why something was in my life until after it was over. And last year I had the inspiration to teach my class. Now, some backstory is because of my relationship or lack of relationship with my mother. I basically, after I ended it, I became kind of invisible. I didn't have a website for years. I wasn't on social media because I didn't want her to know anything about me. Like if you Googled my name, there was nothing there. And then I think Maybe three years ago, I got a website. Everything I got was word of mouth. And then I had a private Instagram account that I didn't really post, but it was private. But a year ago, I had this inspiration to do this class. I wanted to teach spiritual mediumship because I want to wake people's intuition up. I want them to understand the difference between the voice of their ego and the voice of their soul. I think if we can know that we have these gifts, not everyone wants to be psychic mediums, but it's really fun to kind of know like how I can use this in my life. And I'm really magical. And that was a fun experience. It just, I think it changes people. But in order to teach this class, I heard my intuition say, but you're going to have to get on social media because you're going to need people to come, right? And I just panicked because I'd been invisible and silent. I mean, for 20 years, except for my one-on-one work. And so I opened a public Instagram account. I was so scared that my mother was going to come on there and harass everyone who had contact with me and take it or do something. I just didn't know. But about a month after having it, which was really hard. Every time I posted, I had some panic attacks. I have PTSD. Being seen is very triggering for me. Being misunderstood is very triggering for me, just the way I grew up. So I didn't sleep a lot at that time or haven't slept over the past year a lot. But one day I was laying on, I was getting Reiki. I was laying on a massage table and I just occurred to me, I was like, I'm not scared of her anymore. I never thought in this life that I would stop being scared of her. And so it was this really like, whoa, I'm not scared of her anymore. But then what I realized is like, but humans are terrifying. I'm scared of all the humans. (laughs) And I say that because I had to continue to engage publicly. My friend asked me to do a podcast with her. I was teaching classes. I've been asked to be guests on different podcasts. A former client asked me to, she said, you should really be out there and using your voice. And I was like, what voice? I could barely tell a story publicly. I can't be seen. I mean, I would see pictures of me and have panic attacks. So It may sound so silly, but this is where my trauma lived was around being visible. And I've spent the past year, every day I told Laura, every day I wake up, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be brave again today. Every day has been something new. You've been hiding for a a major part of your adult life. So like that makes so much sense to me that it would be. I'm so glad you get it. (laughs) It would be very, very difficult to all of a sudden be like, hey, here I am, everybody. I'm over here. Not worried that your family's going to be like, hey. Yeah. Or how it'll be perceived by other people. When you don't use that voice, 
So there's difference between being in a private session with someone. I'm very much in my authority, but then you go like on a podcast. I remember the first one I was on a year and a half ago and I felt so bad because I was doing the best I could, but I was kind of dissociating. I was getting lost. I didn't, I just didn't have any confidence in myself at all. So I've just been really stretching that muscle over the past year and Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's okay. And that's one thing we were talking about Lair at the beginning is he's been working that voice his whole life. You know, he's an actor. He's written a book. He's just always on the things. And I always admire his ability to just be in the moment and talk about things. And I've just been like, oh, I'm so, you, know, well, you so also hard. mentioned to me when we talked the other day that when you were growing up, you get slapped for talking out of turn. I mean, yes. If I said the wrong thing, if I tried to be funny, oh, my God. Slapped, choked, shamed, that you weren't allowed to be comfortable in your body. The happier I was, the more miserable my mother was. So you learn not to be happy. You learn not to have opinions. You learn, I would have panic attacks, but my, I was so repressed and suppressed. I didn't even know I was having panic attacks because any feeling would draw her attention. She would sniff it out. So you learn that I am nothing. I am just this body that you put the clothes on, you create the hair, you do whatever you want. And then when I got out, I just was like, wow, I've got to figure this out. So thank you. Because sometimes I even forget trauma is weird. I said to Lair the other day, cause we have two puppies now. And I said, I just love that I'm a dog person. I always wanted to be a dog person. And then I was driving along about an hour later and I was like, what? I was like, you were a dog person, but your mom set all your pets free. I would come home and my pets would be gone just gone. And she would be like, well, you took their collar off. You live in a three floor apartment. That little one and a half pound dog can't walk down those stairs. She did something with it. But that kind of, but my trauma had made me forget that I was a dog person. I was actually had a huge open heart and it messes with your mind, right? Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I mean, it's like, I can't imagine. I mean, I think that we've all kind of had some version of that, but to have that so ingrained in you that you've forgot that you were that way. And, and you have spent a lot of time during this podcast mentioning your husband, Lair, who yeah. we have had on the podcast for Lucky season Lair. one. And yeah, you. hey, Lair. <laughs> and we are bringing back as well this season. We'd love to get everybody, if anybody has any questions for Lair, send them along. But Lair is your husband. Yes. And so we would love to know kind of like how you guys met. And what it's been like being married to not just a therapist, but Lair specifically as a therapist. He's obviously done a lot of, helped you with a lot of your your trauma. And, and how do you help each other in your own individual practices? We met, gosh, like 21 years ago. We've been together 21 years. I was interviewing as a waitress for a bar that he worked in. And we met there. And he terrified me. I was thinking about this yesterday. He terrified me because he looks at you in a way where he sees you. And I didn't want to be seen. And now I love the way he looks at me because I know he gets me. But when someone sees past, it's kind of like horses. When someone sees past all your BS to the core of you, it can be very disarming. So we've been together through so much over the past 21 years. We went to Helix together, the psycho-spiritual training program. And then he went to get his LMFT. But I love After 21 years, we still have coffee and discuss spirituality. We discuss healing. We're both on our own personal healing path. I think I had... I really knew my own trauma early on. He kind of found some of his trauma over the past few years and has been working through it. So it's been this, we're just each other's champion. And he's my best friend. I feel really blessed that in this life, I found a person that 
got me and I get him. It's really a safe place. And are there struggles? Yeah. I mean, do we have our ups and downs? Yeah. But I think the one thing we have a respect for each other, the way we communicate with each other and we don't take each other for granted. And that's really lovely. Well, that thing is really funny. Respect. He is very funny. But if, yeah, the fact that you respect each other people that have been in successful long-term relationships, typically the first thing they say is I respect them. I respect the other. Mm-hmm. And that's for everyone listening. It starts there. It starts, in my opinion, it starts with the foundation of respect. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was the first person to protect me. There were guys that would come up to me in the bar and he would let me know, you get to say, don't touch me. Like, I never knew you got to say those things. Even before we were together, he's always been an advocate of what's right, what's wrong, my boundaries. And what I really love about him, he didn't sweep in and try to be a superhero and save me or keep me a victim. He has done nothing but say like, you have fight in you and you need to fight. He's always wanting me to find that life energy that I lost in relationship to my mother and be the best version of me. And I think that's really special because he could have swooped in and that's not who he is, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's so great. This little wounded bird and I can be your hero. That's not what he wanted. Well, that's amazing. I just think I love y'all's love story and and the fact that, you. that you've, you've clearly helped each other so much in your own ways. And he spoke so highly of you when he was on. I mean, I think it might have been actually afterwards. We were we kept talking for like another hour after we did the podcast. And he was like, I'm not one to believe in all that stuff or necessarily like I'll be skeptical. He's like, but it's real. Like she's <laughs> got that gift. Yeah. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So we kind of mentioned, we kind of touched on this earlier, but you do have a podcast with your friend Mildred Millie. I assume that's what you ask you. Marillo, who is an astrologer and mindfulness coach. So as podcasters ourselves, we're also curious of kind of what made y'all want to start the podcast and what message do you really want to get across to all your listeners? Well, I had heard intuitively I would be doing a podcast, but I thought it, I just assumed it would be with Lair. And then Millie approached me. She had the idea and she asked me. She was actually in a class of mine where I was teaching spiritual mediumship and that's how I knew her. And it's about grounding spirituality, kind of people can get confused. They can think it's so woo-woo. We're trying to ground some of these ideas that astrology isn't this weird fake science, that it's actually a really powerful tool that can support you understanding your path. Mediumship, psychic ability, soul-to-soul readings, that it's so incredible when you can tell someone that your soul is telling me this is what you need to heal at this time and offering you help and how to heal it. That can just like hone in on whatever's going on in that person's life. It's up to the human to say, I'm going to do the work. But, and we're also exploring personal transformation because we've both been on our own journeys with having had trauma in our life and being on the spiritual and healing path. And what's interesting is we've known each other through like teacher student role. And then now we're podcasters and it's been fun, you know, two women getting to know each other on the podcast and each other's stories. And we thought about bringing guests on, but some of the feedback we've had is that it's been interesting to hear just us tell our stories and talk. So we're kind of protecting that at the moment and then just seeing where it goes. So this is, we're in our second season. I think we have 10 episodes. Yeah. So it's new, it's a baby and I'm evolving. I mean, I think about that first day, I was so scared to have that first podcast episode. I was panicking and now I just feel like I'm really relaxed. So it's really nice to have that growth. It's been a way to exercise that muscle again, that voice. I can only imagine because Todd and I are both excessive talkers and we were still nervous when we did our first podcast. So I can't imagine. (laughs) Now everybody go check out the blue butterfly effect. Is it available everywhere? Like Apple podcast, iTunes, Spotify. Yeah. The blue butterfly effect, everybody. Well, on this show, we're so happy to have you today. This has been such an incredible 
incredible moment for us. And we hope to have you back again if you have time. We do do a palate cleanser on the show. It's a tradition. And so because we talk about some really heavy stuff, so kind of just like a, this might actually not be, this might still be a little heavy, but yeah, I, will see. What is, I was just going to say, just another question. Cool. What is your astrological sign and do you think it fits your characteristics? Hmm. Gemini. Well, it's so interesting. Like Millie's really helped me understand Gemini's are lover of communication. It's the house of communication. So I'm noticing that this thing that has been a part of me, this voice is now being able to like be out there. And that feels really good. I have tons of air in my chart, which it's really fun to talk to Millie because she's a Capricorn. So she's got a lot of earth and grounding and I'm like, she's my tree and I'm the balloon. And if I get with other air signs, I'll just float out of the room. I feel like, are y'all air signs? No, I'm not. No, I don't feel like y'all are. I'm a Libra. I don't know what is that. A... Oh, that is air. I'm a Libra rising. What go. are you? I am a Taurus. So um, I am, um, you know, I still want to hear what you, you have to say, but. Sorry, I wanted to ask. I know we all just want to know what each other is going to say, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm a Taurus and I think that I very much fit the characteristics. But so as, as a Gemini, though, do you feel like, I know you kind of touched on it in the podcast that it's like, there's some people that. All they know about astrology is what they read in like a newspaper or horoscope. But when you really kind of dive deeper into it, there's so many complex things in the universe going on that affect everything that's going on. Do you find that a lot of the readings you've done with Millie and stuff are, are accurate to who you are? Oh, yeah. I mean, my chart, that's the beautiful thing about a chart is if you're doing your work and you're on your path, your chart and you will be in alignment for where you're supposed to be. And, and if you're not, that just means that's your like growing edge where to go. But definitely, I think where I'm going, I will be a, a more full expression of Gemini and then my other signs that are in support of it for sure. So yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think that, that Todd and I probably balance each other out in that way because yeah, I'm a Taurus. I'm like a quadruple Taurus or something. Like I was born in the year of the ox. Like everything wow. about me is all like bull. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. thing. I just feel a lot of grounded earth as I talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it were just me and Todd, we'd probably float away a little bit. That's what I was going to say. Maybe I'm keeping us all on this podcast (laughs) right now. (laughs) You're the anchor. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, I've always felt like very, that it's almost too spot on. It, It kind of like creeps me out sometimes where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I am even in a everyday situation where everybody is freaking out. I'm the one that's kind of like, okay, let's all take a beat. And then also the aspect of I have patience, 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 patience. And then the second that I'm done, I'm done and there's no going back. So I think mine is is pretty accurate. How about you, Todd? Yeah. I mean, the balance. Yeah. And I can't make a decision to save my life. But <laughs> I do think that a Libra, I think Libras, we are chameleons. So we can get along with a lot of different signs, like across the Zodiac. That's what I understand. And I do find that in life. It's why I never went into sales, but I've been told by my mom over and over and over. And I think that I'm good at sales. And so I think that when you're good at that, I think it's part of being a Libra. I think if you can relate to people very quickly and honestly and openly and just connect with whoever you're around, that I do feel like is the biggest part of my sign that I relate to. But yeah, I mean, there are other characteristics about Libra that I do not like. (laughs) Well, just because you don't like them doesn't make them not true. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I think so much fun. The best. I know. We're definitely, we'd love to have you back. We didn't even get all into you teach mediumship classes, which, you know, we'll have all the links to everything in the show notes. And I've already expressed my interest in participating in that starting next week. But overall, there's. It's been amazing. Sorry. I just want to have one quick question. Do you do medium readings or is it specifically coupled? It's separate. So I do readings and then I do client work. Sometimes they intermingle depending on the client, but I offer readings separately. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. And what is your website? We'll put it up as well, but where can people find you? AshleyTorrent.com. Great. Hard to remember. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it all for everybody. But yeah, this has just been amazing, transformative. I feel like the energy has been transmuted at this point and we just can't thank you enough for your time. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your afternoon and we will you talk too. to you later. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay, Todd, how do you think that went? Wow. 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 Mind friggin' blown. She is such a warm light in this world. And she is such a bright light in this world. And I am so happy that I got to meet her today and that we got to chat to her about this incredible thing that she's doing. Like, I've never heard of someone having, you know, medium capabilities and also being a passionate therapist and being able to utilize those two things to help a client. Like how amazing to be able, I think we talked about this off air, but how amazing would it be to, you know, someone's grieving the loss of a loved one and then they're channeling that loved one at the moment and the loved one can say, you know, it's okay. I'm at peace. Everything's okay. And I apologize for this and I apologize for that. And that can be healing in the moment. It's just, she's just such a rock star. And that she knows how to move through that too, that it's not you know, she kind of mentioned after two that like, you know, there can be like, like a medium that says you have issues with this. So here's a card to go talk to a therapist about it. She's like, no, let's work with this right now, right here. And I do like that. Incredible. Too, that she saves kind of that if you're not as in tune with those things or maybe you're not a believer yet that, you know, she can separate them and, and kind of has the psychology and psychiatry aspect of it without necessarily bringing in the medium aspects, but, or the spirituality, but that ultimately that they are really intertwined. And that I think there is a lot of, you know, if you think about how much now so many therapists are embracing the, the inner child and things that happen when you're younger and how they impact you when you're older, it's like, imagine just the whole cycle of everything and how much that impacts the world. I mean, I've always kind of had this very kind of spiritual belief that, you know, that there is a bigger thing at work and that, you know, we are energy. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're clearly energy. We're mm -hmm. too much energy. And so it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I just love the way she puts everything into practice. You know, I just love that it's in so many facets. Yeah. And she's so inviting just as a human being. She's a very non-judgmental energy. She's just a very like, where are you at? What's going on? This is where I'm at. This is what my journey is. This is how I came into this journey. You know, I can imagine with her clients, she's just a very healing soul. And she's definitely found her calling in life because this is this is pretty cool. I think she really touched on a major thing too. And she said that people that have been through trauma do kind of have more of that 
intuition that's like kind of gnawing at them because they have like this lesson to share this something to help others as well as themselves. And and it kind of comes through more. And I think that both of you and I can can kind of attest to that, that I think the more that we've explored our own trauma and things that we've gone Mm -hmm. through that, you know, we're, we're so much more open to hearing you know, other people's paths and and trying to get that message out to other people. Well, and the stuff about her mother, like and her family, just not honoring the fact that she was, you know, she's dealing with mental illness with her mom. And it sounds like someone who with a person, uh, you know, borderline personality disorder on top of other things and and physically violent. I think when a, a child goes through that things up into adulthood, how the fact that she's had so much strength to come out of that. And I mean, she attributes that she feels that Lair helped her husband save her life. And I just think that what a beautiful, you know, moment to come out of such dark stuff. I mean, she really is the epitome of continuing to overcome her trauma. She's an active participant in that. Always working on it, always acknowledging it. I think that's the biggest thing that if there's anything you can do is just acknowledge that you are going through or have been through something. And then I think that that opens the floodgates for everything else to come in and kind of puts it out in the universe and then it kind of brings in healing things for you. Like, you know, once you finally acknowledge and speak your truth, I think that that other stuff gets magnetized to you. Oh my God. I completely agree with you, Laura. What an amazing, amazing podcast today. Yeah. I really, really love her and I want everybody to definitely go check out her website. Her podcast is amazing. She teaches classes on how to be a medium all on Zoom. She does readings over Zoom. So just can't emphasize enough how much we want y'all to go check out Ashley Torrent at ashleytorrent.com and just, you know, just take a gander. I think you might be pretty surprised by what you see and feel inclined. Maybe it'll draw you in. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, until next time, Laura, it has been an absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure. Miss you so much. Miss you too. All right. Well, I love you and I'll talk to you later. Love you too. Okay. Bye. Bye.